today we are back in ordinary time. That does not mean boring. Okay, ordinary comes from the idea of ordered. These are the counted weeks of the year. And so every year we choose a gospel to work our way through, to hear the stories of Jesus and how his ministry affects our lives. And so last year we were in cycle B, which is Mark. Next year is cycle A, which is Matthew. And this is cycle C, which is Luke. I didn't know if I'd get a response at this mass. I know you don't like to answer questions in class. But tonight our gospel is from John. Why? Well, I'm not really sure. I've heard a lot of different explanations, but it would make sense. This is the story in John of how Jesus began his public ministry. You all know this story, and it makes sense for it to come at this time of the year. You've heard it before about this wedding in Cana, but pay attention to what John really concentrates on. John writes like Picasso paints. And the thing that he talks about the most here are the jars. So pay attention to how much attention the jars get as compared to the place or the event or the people involved. And let's think about what he must be getting at. St. Paul tells us that we are each earthen vessels carrying the sacredness of Christ crucified to our world. So let us take a moment to recognize how we have carried Christ to others and how Christ has been infused into us. It was just an ordinary day in an ordinary town in the Middle East nearly 2,000 years ago. Yes, the wedding feast was a big deal to the families of the bride and groom, but wedding feasts were probably the most common celebrations in the lives of first century Jews. And the guests were ordinary, probably mostly neighbors, including the widow of the carpenter. She was considered so ordinary that her name is not recorded anywhere in the Gospel of John. The widow's son was also among the guests, as were the friends he had recently made, Andrew, Peter, Philip, and Nathaniel, all ordinary people. And the crisis was ordinary too. They ran out of wine. I've been to several weddings where the wine has run out, and it was not the end of the world. And wine in the first century in the Middle East was probably even more ordinary than we consider wine today. It was the common beverage. People of all ages drank wine with all their meals. And scripture scholars tell us that the dialogue between Jesus and his mother is nothing remarkable. It may sound harsh to us, but it would not have seemed that way to those who heard the conversation in the first century. A story of an ordinary crisis in an ordinary town and an ordinary event, retold to us today at the beginning of ordinary time. We struggle with that word, ordinary. It even bothered someone as saintly as Dorothy Day. She famously wrote, The words ordinary time in our prayer books put me in a state of confusion and irritation. To me, no time is ordinary. Jesus told Nathanael two days earlier that he would soon see great things. So what was so great about Jesus' first miracle? Jesus told the servants to fill six gigantic stone jars with water. 
Now that was rather remarkable. As I was told by one rabbinical student who had lived in the Middle East, water is a precious commodity there, even today. Water is not to be wasted. Jesus turned the water into wine, and it was a lot of wine, and it was very high-quality wine. But what did it accomplish in God's plan for the salvation and reconciliation of the world? So there wasn't gossip about a family running out of wine at a wedding. It's not clear how many people at the wedding feast even realized what had happened. John says that Jesus revealed his glory and his disciples began to believe in him. We know that the servants saw what had happened, and we could presume that Jesus' mother and Andrew, Peter, Philip, and Nathaniel figured out what was going on. But did the head waiter, the bridegroom, the families, and the other guests? How often do we not notice the blessings all around us? Miracles happen every day, at every moment. They are abundant, as abundant as 120 to 180 gallons of wine at a wedding feast. And those miracles are of the highest quality. But the miracles in our everyday lives aren't usually accompanied by earthquakes, dramatic lighting, or reports in the media. So they often go unnoticed. My go-to prayer technique is keeping a prayer journal. I've learned that when my journal entries devolve into just a log of my daily activities, that's a sign that I've stopped noticing the blessings around me. And it's, it's, it's at times like that that I rely on another form of prayer called the Ignatian Examine. Now, there's a lot of great explanations of the examine available. One of my favorites is Dennis Ham's article titled, Rummaging for God. You can find it online. Just search for Rummaging for God. The main gist of the Ignatian Examine is to quickly review the activities of the last 24 hours of your life and then ask yourself where God was present. Whenever I conduct this prayer, I'm usually amazed to find the abundant ways God was present in my day. Present in abundance, and in the highest quality, like the wine at Cana. God being present in conversations with friends and strangers alike. Present in the joy of my work present in the scenery, present in the foods I've eaten, etc., etc., etc. And it is then that I discover, once again, that even the most ordinary days can be extraordinary. As the stories in the Gospel of John tell us, water turns into wine, light appears in darkness, we discover who we are, people recover from illness, and the dead rise. Extraordinary things happening to ordinary people. My spiritual director in Washington, D.C. used to put it another way. He'd say, Rich, lightning bolts of grace are falling all around you. How blessed we are. That same spiritual director sent me a note last summer. In it, he said, Jesus Christ has already saved the world. Your job is to gather the people and celebrate that. 
And so we gather once again on this ordinary Sunday evening as ordinary people around this rather ordinary looking table to bless and break ordinary bread and to bless and pour out ordinary wine. But in our blessing, our breaking and our pouring out, something extraordinary happens. The bread and the wine are transformed. And in our gathering in this space, in our listening to the word of God, and in our receiving this transformed bread and wine, we ourselves are transformed into the body of Christ. How do we go from being ordinary people to being extraordinary members of the body of Christ? It's nothing we do. We just have to be open to the blessings all around us.